Welcome back to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. I'm your host, Louis Marks, relaxing here at the old train station across the river from the great city of Philadelphia. Today on the show, I spend some time with the artist known as Crown. I met her through her work with Layla Hathaway and some mutual friends in the Los Angeles area, and I have to say, she is one of the most unique and intriguing people I've ever met. I'd like to read a little bit from the beginning of her bio. Crown is an artist and songwriter. Her work examines the crisis of women, how we are ever pulled between the potential we see ahead and the echoes of our underliberated past and present. Her songs tell the story of her discoveries and strives to illuminate the nuanced challenges women face in our everyday experience. All right, we're here at 21 Soul at the Rope Dope Room in East Philadelphia. I have the pleasure of speaking with Steph Tom, a.k.a. Crown. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am well. I'm very excited about uh, your music and uh, the record that I've been listening to for the last three days straight uh, and, uh, and, some, and, and future things from you. Um, you sent me a wonderful video interview uh, that sparked so many questions. Uh, and I, I guess I want to start with, jump right in, we can talk about history uh, a little later, but we, electronic music fascinates me. Uh, and I, I have a working theory that the first so many years of electronic music were uh, pretty much made up of, wow, look what we can do, and this is what the future sounds like. And it seems like now, finally, electronic music is being integrated into every form as just another sort of instrumentation. Um, and I, I wanted to hear what you think of that theory. Does it Makes sense yeah. to you? It's, it's funny that you say that because um, <laughs> I I often talk about like, well, with friends and musicians and colleagues and recently I've been thinking about like framing different aspects of life and music to sort of uh, growth in more of a like age developmental sort of way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if the, if the 70s, and even kind of going into the 80s to some extent was the sort of like infancy of electronic, especially sort of synthesized music. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're kind of at the puberty stage. Now. We're coming of age. You're coming we're kind of, of coming age. We're coming of age where it's like people are, people are doing things that, you know, aren't so free that they're coloring outside of the lines. Like everything, you know, all the tools that we have are kind of being used with intention and they're being integrated into things that perhaps are more like classic form that has always been how music's been made and I think we're in a really interesting time where you know how it's it is this tool like it's it's not even it almost seems crazy to think about like electronic music as a genre because it's the foundation mm-hmm. now you know um and yeah we're we're free of the definition. Really interesting. Sorry. I I agree. It seems like we're we're free of the definition of what electronics supposed to be. Uh, and I wrote down here when listening to your music, uh, uh, organic electronic. Uh, mm. There's just a feeling there. Um, 
do you want to talk a little bit about um, how, like, I want to know how that process happens for you. I mean, uh, when you write a song, do you, are you are you starting on an you know a non electronic instrument and then moving into other sounds, or do you start right with? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I love the cloning organic electronic. I'm I'm absolutely stealing that from you. Um, You're, it's all yours. <laughs> um, yeah, I. This is where I know it's kind of like a natural, an instinctive thing because most of my songs start with just me at the at the piano, um, and I don't get like overly intentional about what sound I'm using at the piano like sometimes I'll want to like you know sometimes if I'm on a real piano like getting the feel of and the resonation of that can be a really inspirational thing but if I'm at like a keyboard or like a little mini midi keyboard if I'm on the road and I you know can pull up a road sound or pull up some sort of synth sound and that's just what works and what feels right then I'll do that it doesn't seem to like hugely impact what I write I don't think because I you know I think my ear always goes to using electronic sounds but not in a way that sort of negates my want to use like straight piano sounds for example or mm-hmm. you know um non non-electronic non-synthesized instruments um it, it all kind of like feeds into each other you know I will often kind of write melody and chords and lyrics and then sometimes like that song will kind of take shape playing it live with with the band that I play with mm-hmm. and it'll take on one form but then if I start working on something like in the studio or with a the producer then it you know immediately I start thinking more about loops like the time that I came up in, you know, produced electronic pop music of all kinds was the soundtrack of my life, essentially. So, you know, thinking about things in those terms is totally, you know, innate for me if that's what it feels like the song calls for. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a separate decision-making process to go down that road for me in my mind. Mm-hmm. I read years ago um, David Byrne's book, um, uh, How Music Works, and aside from my role in in the music business, there were many interesting things about his breaking down of of the business side of this, but one of the most interesting things, he postulates uh, that music is made to something. Uh, and more often, uh, he really refers to it being made to a place. Um, in other words, the uh, you know African music and rhythm is made to the open plains uh, and villages. Uh, classical music made to the symphony hall, and of course, punk rock made to CBGB in a, a small box in Lower Manhattan. You know. Um, you, you've you've described to me that you are nomadic, and so I wonder, you know, what that place is, or is it different places all along? If if you give any credence to the concept, well, I I love that concept. You know, the um, the sort of pop 
pop music, pop culture student in me is um, fascinated by the concept of space and place. Um, and, and I've had the opportunity to kind of write about it in more of an academic context in my time too, which I've enjoyed. And it's interesting reflecting on that, you know, with my own work, which obviously, you know, objectivity can be an issue, but I, I do feel like, I feel like place is evident kind of in the way that you described, like the whole organic electronic feel has a lot to do with my roots. Like my family are, are all from rural Scotland. I'm the first person in my wider network family on either side to have been brought up in a city. And I was brought up in a very small city in the northeast of Scotland. And so there's so folk culture really is in my blood, like whether I want it to be or not is is hundred percent there and the practice of kind of folk music which is which is an entirely non intentional thing, you know. If you if you refer if you tried to discuss the practice of folk music with any of my family, they would kind of look at you bemused and think you were pretentious. Probably, They're, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now it's just picking up a fiddle or picking up a guitar and singing a song, and it's not anything that deep. Um, but I think I'm really committed to the way that I kind of deliver my vocal and the way that I present my songs because there is something so innately folk about that but mm-hmm. the, the, the place the the sense of place that is kind of denoted through the kind of production of my music speaks more to my experience as I have moved through the world um, beyond the place that raised me mm-hmm. and that has been Leeds in the north of England and London and Paris briefly and New York and LA and you know I've been lucky to those are places that I've actually lived for periods of time and I've lucky to, been lucky to sort of be travel to, to more places and um, but I, you know, I've been influenced. Well, it's interesting, <laughs> as I'm reflecting on this, I don't know that I've been influenced by those places in living there. I was very connected to American music and specifically music out of New York when I lived in Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland. Like I almost had this feel of New York before I ever went there. And this love for some of the sounds that emanated from the city um, so interestingly I think even the music I was writing before I ever existed in any of those places that I just mentioned um, I was kind of paying homage to to the music and the sounds that I loved so much growing up and that was essentially like my escapism into something that I knew was going to be part of my future in the early days um, hmm. so yeah, a sense of place really it it kind of tells my story actually, um, but more from a generational perspective too. I think you know I've grown up in a time where, at least, kind of as I grew into my teens and adulthood, where 
the music in so many places was available to me. It was a click away. And, yeah. and even pre-internet, you know, I mean, like I was a, I was a music nerd. I was down in record shops and I was, you know, kind of getting elbow deep, mm-hmm. in, especially in the sales sections. I would go in and it's like, oh, like all the kind of classic hip hop albums would be on sale. So I would just like buy as many as my pocket money would allow and, Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky too with my parents, you know, my parents were both very eclectic music lovers and they were both kind of the rebels of their families and they sought out to experience new things in their youth and, and they had a broad collection of music that I was able to draw on. Mm-hmm. Also, so, yeah, so, place and influence kind of came came early but has sort of articulated itself in different ways through my experience of making music. Fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, you were already connected to the places before you before you arrived, uh, is what I'm hearing, um, and and specifically through the music itself. It's a fascinating thing to me. I, you know, I I was in London a couple of years ago, and you know, being being from the U.S., which I you know, and 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 even spending time in New York City, uh, I found something com- completely uh, ahead in London. In that there was a tremendous amount. I think I came back and said it's just a swirling mass of humanity. Um, so many different types of people and so many different cultures all moving around in this interesting, almost circular pattern every day, uh, very efficiently. I might add. I'm, I'm sure there are people who commute there every day who would who would disagree, but to me it seems so fascinating. And and I guess that. Seem, your story seems to mirror that in a way, in that in that you're you're traveling and you're 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 doing things and connecting with all points, you know, uh, outside of that home village, if you will. Um, but I guess the question that it leads me to, and what I'm trying to dig at here, is you know, do you need to find a center point when when you're when you're moving around physically, musically, um, or is are we here in the future now when a center point is an archaic concept? That's such a great question, and I was actually, I, I, this is not for effect, this is no word of a lie, I, I kind of felt compelled today to start writing in one of my several notebooks, in the, non, the non-lyrics writing notebook and the general thoughts notebook. That mm-hmm. I, I, I ponder that, you know, I think about the sense of home a lot. And, you know, essentially we all make decisions about where we call that space. And I don't know if you know about, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That, mm-hmm. um, no. It's a, it's a psychological theory about kind of, you know, what humans need from the, the sort of bottom, you know, foundational uh, level of needs like food and shelter and sleep. Yes. Uh, and it's... You know, they kind of move up into kind of belonging and love and purpose and, you know, self-actualization is the sort of top point. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of emphasis placed on a sense of security and a sense of home. Um, And it is something that I think about because I move about a lot and it's something that I, you know, I wonder kind of what role that plays for people and especially what role it's playing for me right now. But... um, one thing that I 
I'm kind of very clear on is that I know that I represent a sense of where I'm from through my work in a way that sort of goes beyond anything too literal. You know, I don't make Scottish music um, and I don't necessarily, uh, you know, I'm not kind of centering like <laughs> anything about the country specifically in what I make, but um, I, you know, that is the space that made the person that I am and allowed me to kind of move forward in the way that I do. So I owe a lot to to that place. Um, but I also really respond well to energy. Like I definitely think that the US and being in the US and being in some of the creative spaces that I've had the great privilege of being in in this country has allowed me to actually evolve in a way that I've needed to as a person so that kind of really speaks to me about sort of energy and connection and mm -hmm. and I don't really understand a lot of those concepts fully and the and the academic side of me would like there to be kind of a clear understanding of them but the I guess the more sort of like spiritually aware side of me appreciates that there's there's not necessarily always clear answers to those things um But what I am certain of is that I have had experiences in the U.S., both in New York and L.A., um, but especially New York. Like, New York definitely has a really special place in my heart. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been able to, you know, become here in a way that I've always wanted to. And I guess I knew that I always would. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I hear you on New York. Uh, it's funny, I, you know, everybody, uh, it takes about a week, I think, to be in New York, and then it's it's yours. <laughs> you, you own it, you know. Um, so, I, you know, the, the music that's out now uh, under the title Epicene um, sort of connects to my, my, my line of thinking here. Um, And I wonder if the whole question about place and uh, and electronic music versus non-electronic music, I wonder if the question isn't really uh, breaking away from anything but the way things have been framed for us um, and the language around that. Um, and I, this this may make sense. I promise. I'll try. Um, you know, in first of all, can you can you define epicene, uh, and then I can respond off of that. Sure. Um, epicene, in its literal sense, means um, bearing the characteristics of both genders, or you know, not conveying characteristics of, of either gender. Um, and I I guess for in the in the name of kind of clarification in terms of identifying, I I definitely identify as a woman. Um but as I started to think about why I do, it's because I feel like I'm defending something <laughs> when I when I do that um, and a lot of that and I think this is perhaps where you're where you're going um, 
with this is is about what how things have been framed and how we have been led to kind of understand ourselves. Yeah, so that's that's in the right. That's in the it's in the direction I intended. Um, you you made a, a comment in, a, in an interview that I watched, um, and I just pulled these words out. You know, quote the default emotional space has been narrated by someone else. Uh, I thought that was really fascinating. Um, Christian Scott uh, puts out music here and often talks uh, very eloquently about. Uh, for example, race as a construct. And it's easy to say that and it's easy for somebody to nod their head. But then when you dig in, you know, what does that mean? And, and how, how is that possible and how does it continue? Uh, and it continues through, through you know, a, a dominant culture narrating uh, roles. Uh, role, a role of race uh, and, and a role of gender. And I guess I just wonder if... Uh, the reason why we're we're not all ready to just embrace, uh, you know, a world where those where those roles are are not as clear uh, is is from some fear of of losing our center, you know, uh, of not having a space. So I'd ask you again, you know, in 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 your questioning. Or, or non-identification with specific gender roles, is that is that accurate? By the way, that that piece, when I say yeah, compared compare to Epstein, you know. So again, you know, do, do, how do you feel centered, and how do you find home in that same, you know, with respect to gender identification? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's so. I really appreciate this question because it, in asking it in the way that you just did, you're acknowledging that there's almost like an impossibility in answering it because there are so many interconnecting factors to the question and to the, even the possibility of the answers. Um, I think we are in a really interesting time that it's definitely inducing like a sense of kind of crisis, like in perhaps in all of us that are kind of conscious enough to consider, you know, how we move forward with, with the way that we are now seemingly showing some willingness to acknowledge. Um, and that's across a, you know, a few different, um, a few different spaces you know, especially as it pertains to kind of inequality between, a, you know, a dominant group and a, and a less dominant group. Um, and and it's interesting, actually, I I was talking to um, a, a musician, um, a fellow musician colleague friend the other day about how, you know, we're in this place where everybody's kind of blowing everything up like everything it feels like everything is opening up and it feels like it feels like only very few of us ultimately were really willing to look at this stuff properly <laughs> before and now it feels like it's in public debate in a way that it never has been especially as it pertains to gender or the sexes or however we want to label you know the kind of male female 
binary mm-hmm. and the way that society and social norms have been structured around that distinction. Um, you know, I found it quite overwhelming at times over the over this year, actually, where it's like there are these different points where it feels like so many of us are, are now taking part in a conversation where I remember being like a young teenager and get like coming home from school upset and you know talking to my parents about the fact that it just didn't feel like people were fair and I didn't understand mm-hmm. why um and and now you know in public discussion we're addressing things in a way that problematizes everything but doesn't necessarily give solutions as to how we move forward and I and I do think that is kind of giving people a feeling of kind of crisis um right but in a way that i think is is necessary you know i don't know if you've heard that phrase of like you know in order like you have to go through you know to move forward you have to go through the best Um, way out is always through yes that's it that's it the best way is always through and i think that this is just a you know this moment in time i'm hopeful um, and it actually is, but you know, the last sort of 18 months to two years has been a, a challenging time to sort of feel optimism. But I actually, I feel very hopeful, especially the people that I know, like in my life that are kind of under 35, under 30, you know, the way that people are talking about social issues, mm-hmm. um, especially in the artistic space is very encouraging, you know. There's been moments where I've been in spaces where we're talking about something very socially important, but everyone's slightly older, and then like the classic kind of like gender tropes still kind of play a part in the way that people are interacting. Um, yes, and it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of self reflection and often a lot of like painful consideration of what sort of conditioning you have endured to really kind of break that down and understand how to change it you know and we and we all need to do that in whatever seat we're sat in um with the identity we bear outwards towards the world like i feel like we all have a i don't know a duty almost right now to to reflect in that way so that we all can kind of move through together I hear you. Yeah, I I think that transcendence is important, and transcendence is 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 a combination of changing the language, but also doing, and you know that that's why I I, I love speaking with you and with so many musicians because by your very existence and the life that you're leading, uh, you're letting people know that you can question these identities, uh, live in many places, and be okay. Yeah, and that you know, just seeing that can quell uh, a lot of fear, and uh, fear helps you cling to established principles, you know, that you've that you've learned and terminology. We do a little exercise uh, here at the office, uh, and this is just a, a business reflection of the whole thing. But you know, I, I tell people not to use the words you know, album and record label and. Uh, you know, uh, and 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 digital space and, and any of the terminology that is is presented to us from the past, we tried to avoid. And and you find that after a while, when you start 
when you start talking without using the old words, uh, then you can open yourself up to a new space in a new way and not be locked in uh, to traditional methods. That's just our little little piece of it. That's great. I'm sure that's very freeing. Well, it's scary. You know, I mean, I, I push ahead, uh, but and most most people are like, well, then you know, if I don't have, if I can't define things, then then how how can I survive? Well, the point being that um, you not only can survive, but you can move forward uh, in, in in a very big way. Um, that really speaks to um, people. People are actually really afraid to get like in tune with themselves. Um, and I totally understand why, because I think the moments in life, and honestly, for me, this year has been one of them where that has been happening, like, more, in a more pronounced way. It is, like, you know, it's rocky. <laughs> like, it can, it can rock the earth that you used to feel underneath your feet. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, and I think people get scared of that, you know, because we, we do have such a, and I understand why we have this sort of notion of stability in our minds of what that looks like, you know, and I think anything that kind of questions that feels dangerous. Um, and I'm a big fan of stability, you know, but in, in, in that, you know, connection to the question you were asking me earlier about a sense of home, like when I've been moving around so much, especially this year, I've had to find like tools and methods of how to feel kind of at home wherever I am. And that's definitely been kind of challenging, hmm. but I'm, and I'm still working it out, but I'm actually, it is opening me up to kind of new possibilities that I wasn't even aware of before. And all of that's a product of just really trying to actively become more in tune with ourselves. And I'm, I'm appreciative of, you know, men out there at the moment who are, who are trying to do that. I actually went to a men's kind of mental health workshop the other day. And there was a few women that went along, probably like me interested to, you know, see how men were reflecting on, um, I guess moving forward in a way that they feel is right and more Mm -hmm. suitable to the sort of world that we're, you know, that we're living in and that we want to continue to sort of, uh, support the evolution of, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's challenging getting in tune with yourself, but it's it can be so beneficial for for everyone, you know, and especially the individual. Absolutely, amen. Uh, I don't know where we're going to end up, but but like you said, you know, as you quoted, the the best way out is always through, and uh, it it is a little bit thrilling to uh, embark on a journey. <laughs> right. Um, well, uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid we're almost out of time. Uh, we're going to have to do a second version of this at some point, but um, I want to point out that Epicene is out. Uh, Ropadope is going to, if you're checking at ropadope.com, you'll find news uh, about uh, Crown. Uh, it can also be at She Is Crown everywhere, right? Uh, social yep. media around. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing... Um, your 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 new music as that comes along and uh also wishing you the best uh with uh with Layla Hathaway uh at the Grammys this year fingers crossed yes um uh um 
is there anything else that, that you want to say about uh, current or upcoming music uh, to people, or would just let the music speak for itself? Um, maybe a note that, you know, um, thank you for highlighting, you know, Epicene and the, and the meaning of that and how a lot of that is about framing and interestingly, like, how we just discussed getting in tune with yourself. I think for me, Epicene is, is almost like a is documents to how I was getting in tune with myself, realizing, you know, a lot of the songs on there about realizing the things that I would have inclinations towards that I didn't really understand or things that I would allow and, you know, unpacking the fact that a lot of that was to do with my conditioning and as being sort of conditioned as a, as a woman in the world, you know, both, uh, both in the kind of closer conditioning sense and also the sort of social, you know, more macro sense. Mm -hmm. The next project I'm putting out is called Drifting and its concept is about kind of the, I guess, the things that can induce a sense of drifting, that feeling that you, that you kind of get stuck, you know, you, you, you try, you're, you're trying so hard to kind of like, move forward that I guess you're paralyzed by doing so and you can get you can get stuck and get caught in the drift so it's a collection of songs that speaks to to that experience and and trying to move through that beautiful beautiful thank you all for tuning in to the station tapes if you like what we do please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21 Soul you can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropadope99, and you can find out more about the artists we speak with at ropadope.com. Thanks to the 21 Soul team, Nick Perry and Steven Jashevsky on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent and quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world and to those of you who are taking the time to listen, we hope you enjoy the show.